if you would like to uh, be able to stop by our uh, coffee uh, I'm sorry, not our coffee, our welcome table after service. Uh, it's a chance for us to be able to connect with you, kind of get to know you, um, and also to answer any questions you have, and it gets you a VIP cup to get you to the front of the line to get some coffee. On a day like this, coffee's good. I think I crack a coffee joke every week, don't I? Um, uh, and uh, uh, oh, oh, here's the other thing. We've got a couple announcements we want to let you know about in addition to the video. Uh, first of all, is there anybody in this room who is a part of the YWAM uh, Kona Base Build-A-Base trip the first time around? Anyone? Marco? Oh, there we go. Hey, okay. Hey, if you are interested or you would like to be a part of that or you heard about that and you didn't get a chance to jump on board, there is YWAM Build-A-Base Part 2. So the trip dates for that are in January 28th through February 4th. Uh, and the most important thing to hear about that is there is an info meeting taking place tomorrow at 1 o'clock right here. And Pastor Jonathan would love to be able to give you some more information about what's going on with that. Uh, also, as you uh, saw in the video, we have our uh, retreat coming up this weekend. And we are very, very excited about that. Uh, if Hey, if you're a parent, you have a student who maybe has not gotten connected in with the youth ministry, is in 6th through 12th grade, let me tell you, this would be a great opportunity to get them plugged in. They'll connect with some friends, have a great experience with God. And uh, we would love, love to be able to have them with us. Uh, on another note, if, if per chance you are interested in helping us uh, financially uh, scholarship some of our kids, we have had a year of just, uh, we've got probably about 40 kids that have said, hey, we would love to go, but financially we're just really, really having a hard time doing that. So if there is any chance that you'd be willing to help us, we would so love to be able to partner with you on that. It's real simple. You can just go on to theredexperience.com, uh, and uh, right there there's a little place where you can click and say, uh, give, give a scholarship. So we would... Uh, we would really appreciate that. But, hey, uh, we're going to go ahead and pray for the offering. Uh, if you're a guest with us, the boxes are mounted on the walls. We don't pass a hat or a plate or a KFC bucket. Um, and we just want to tell you thank you so much for, uh, uh, for your faithfulness. And just uh, let's, let's pray and then let's get rolling. Father God, we just come before you tonight. God, we thank you so much for who you are. And God, despite uh, cold weather or rainy weather or uh, snowy weather, as some of us woke up to this morning, God, I thank you that there is still a passion in our hearts to serve you. God, that you just stir up a, a, a fire, a heat, a, a just a, a love for you, God, like we've never known. God, I pray as we jump into this new series, as we just hear what Pastor John has, has put together and sought your heart to, uh, to deliver to us tonight, God, may we just be open and, and uh, receive what you have for us. Bless our offering, and, and uh, just we just thank you for your faithfulness in, uh, in just everything you do around this place. In Jesus' name, amen. things. You can tell that the creative team has been hard at work behind me, haven't they? A number of different things that they added this week, and uh, you can imagine that not only to, uh, to sit and dream about it, but then to pull it off takes quite a bit of effort, and I would like to thank Pastor Terry and his team for all that they do, just consistently with excellence. What a, what a great job. Yep. Love it, love it at all campuses and, and all the people that are involved with that ministry. Uh, the other thing just to update you about today uh, would just simply be this. Uh, many of you know 
that our fifth grandchild was born this past week, and a uh, little brawn one, uh, eight and a half pounds, 20 inches long, but we had complications. Um, that, that night, uh, right after she was born, she had difficult uh, breathing, and uh, it turned out that uh, she had a hernia that allowed her intestines and spleen into her chest cavity, and it had pushed her heart to the side and had uh, compressed her lungs, and they had to do surgery yesterday. Uh, surgery was, um, was, was very effective. We're excited about uh, what the out, outcome is going to be, but she's going to be in the hospital for a little while. Amy and Marcus are two of the bravest people you'll ever meet in your life to, uh, to go through everything that they're going through and to keep their faith like they're keeping it and to, to walk through. Uh, my family is a little on the tired side. Seems like since Tuesday, um, it's just been sort of one long day um, since Tuesday. And uh, I, I'm ready to say, just like Genesis, the evening and the morning were the end of that day. So hopefully it'll get over here quick. But I, I want to thank so many of you who have just responded that knew um, with, with well wishes and with prayers and with just, uh, just so much kindness. I want to thank you for that. We, um, uh, next week, Marcus will give the update on, uh, on where we are. We'll know a little bit more after tomorrow and, and sort of... Um, uh, what we're looking like uh, time-wise, but I just wanted to give you the quick, quick version, the quick update. Thank you so much for praying. Keep praying. We're not quite there yet, but um, um, we 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 don't always know why things go the way they go. But how many you know we trust God regardless of that? And so that's where we are, and we're walking that out. Okay, I want to welcome all of you today to our brand new series called Genesis. And I, I'll be honest with you, I wish I could spend. Uh, quite a bit of time in this series. I think that we've planned out the next six weeks uh, up until Thanksgiving time to, to do this series. Can you believe Thanksgiving is six weeks? Doesn't sound possible. But uh, we are going to, um, we'll end it around there. It's a six or seven week series and then uh, move into Christmas. I, if I personally could, would probably spend two or three months in, in Genesis. I just think that there's so much here. There's so much to talk about. There's so many different ways that you could go. The book is divided up in such an awesome uh, amount of, of um, history and theology and, and different people's lives to look at. There's just so much there. Uh, we're going to try to divide it up into hitting um, some, some of the more prominent books in Genesis. So tonight we're going to start with uh, Genesis chapter 1, and I put as our main scripture that we're going to launch off of Genesis 1, 1. And if you'll find it right there in your notes... Um, you can follow along with me. It just simply says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And let me just say, basic theological belief would be that God is the creator. Let me, uh, let me try that statement one more time, see if it sticks. Basic theological belief is that God is the creator. Now, you, you know, I had a little fun with that just a second ago, but let, let, me, let me say this. Um, I think that uh, maybe two of the things that the church is facing today that, that are unprecedented in our lifetime would be biblical illiteracy. And I'm not talking about outside of the church. I'm talking about people inside of the church who believe the Bible, who would, who would say without question, I believe the Bible, but they don't read it. Do you hear me? And, and then the other issue would be simply this, um, the, the idea that people believe, but they don't know why they believe or what they believe exactly. And so I would just make the statement to you that if you want to combat the idea of living in a day and an age where, where it is, would you agree with me, it is very relative out there according to the world. 
I would, I would say the way to combat it is to, to be biblically literate, number one. And number two, learn then how to apply the literacy in your life. Live it out like it matters. And so in, in this series, that's where we want to go with a little bit and talk about. So I, I put right here, uh, basic theological belief is, one, the beginning, meaning in Hebrew, time, rank, or order. In the beginning, God existed and did everything. In the beginning, God existed and did everything. Folks, basic theological belief is simply this. We believe in intelligent design. We do not believe in accidental existence. I put it this way, um, and I, here, here's the deal. If you do believe in intelligent design, and you make that statement in the system of this world... Their way to answer you is not to to have a discussion in a rational manner. It is to mock you for being incredibly silly and stupid. So I take the shot back whenever I have the chance. We do not exist because of a cosmic belch five billion years ago, and now here we are. You're not here because a monkey got tired of swinging on his tail in a tree, dropped off, stood up, put on clothes, here we go. You're not here for those reasons. And, and some go, well, you seem maybe a little hostile towards it. I am only because the, the, you can't even have a conversation about it. You're instantly ridiculed. So put it right back in the arena. It takes more faith to believe in an accident than it does to believe in intelligent design. It takes more faith to believe that it all just sort of happened rather than to believe behind it is some type of intelligence. I, I've got a couple of illustrations here. Now, I'm going to apologize. Um, this, this, the level of this illustration that I'm going to show you video-wise is probably a little younger than the audience I'm going to show it to. Um, but it impressed me. <laughs> so, sometimes, I just got to bring you down to where I am, if that makes any sense. So, watch, watch this right here and, and see if this is... Uh, this is something that you can, you can uh, find some fun with. A long time ago on a planet so bare, some water and dirt got mixed up with the air, some sand and some rocks to make it just right. The stage was all set in the deep of the night. A bolt of white lightning, a great peal of thunder, and suddenly there was a marvelous wonder. The rocks yielded metal, the sand turned to glass, and as the years flew, a new thing came to pass. The metal formed gears, the glass a watch face, and little by little things fell into place. The parts came together just like a good rhyme, with ticks and with tocks and with hands that tell time. A beautiful watch began ticking one day, formed all by itself in a wonderful way. Ridiculous story, you say with a grin. Impossible, laughable, surely a sin. A watch needs a watchmaker, that's plain to see. A designer and builder that makes it for me. Now all life is made of some interesting stuff. Cells of all shapes, like blobs filled with fluff. But looks are deceiving, and what we find there 
are factories and highways and gadgets to spare. Assembly lines, robots, electrical cable, libraries, software. Just look if you're able. The marvels we see with a microscope stare make a watch look so simple we dare not compare. Now the doctors from Oxford say cells came by chance from goo down to you in a beautiful dance. What's wrong with their thinking to have such odd notions that cells could just happen from dirt and warm oceans? A cell and its wonders amaze all who see and a cell like a watch, by chance, cannot be. Those cells can build hummingbirds, agile and free. Bumblebees, snails, my backyard oak tree. A woodpecker built with a jackhammer nose, lightning bug, monkeys, a beautiful rose. And beetles with bombs that give frogs a surprise. Comedians with camouflage and some weird eyes. All nature on Earth is so perfectly fine, we have to admit that it's all by design. And our Maker owns everything, both great and small. He's the masterful watchmaker, Lord over all. So, a couple weeks ago, I taught at the Men's Advanced, and uh, trying, to, trying to take an illustration um, that might fit in here, reversing this thought. Uh, when I was in Israel, um, uh, 84 people, 83 people, we had one that, that had to cancel us, 83 people were walking through the old uh, city. And in the old city of Jerusalem, you have very tight quarters at certain places. And we were walking through part of the Arab market, and uh, on both sides of you, maybe there's 10 feet wall to wall, people coming up and down, very narrow um, stairways and, and alleyways, and it's a, it's a great place for pickpockets. And so in that place right there, as the group's coming through, I always, I'm going back and forth in a group, and I'll, I'll stop, and I'm watching people walk by, and I'm trying to make sure that they're walking close enough and they're not getting spread out, and I'm trying to keep them from ending up with, with unscrupulous um, vendors. And as I'm trying to guard our group, an unscrupulous vendor approaches me. And he says, uh, you want to buy some sunglasses? And uh, he whips out. Um, he's got all of these knockoff sunglasses. Well, I ignored the 83 people so that I could look at these sunglasses. And I ended up buying a pair of sunglasses. And as soon as I bought the sunglasses, the guy knew he had a live one on the hook. So then he goes, do you want to buy a Rolex? And he pulls out of his pocket all these fake Rolex watches. Well, I said, no, I don't want to buy a Rolex. I've got these sunglasses. I'm good to go. And so I try to walk with the group. Well, the guy starts following me, and he, he starts at $100, and he goes, give me $100, and you can have a watch. I said, no, I don't want it. Give me $90. No, I don't want it. Give me $80. $70. So we play the game back and forth. It gets down to $30, and I thought, what the heck? How many times do you get a chance to buy a Rolex for 30 bucks? So I buy a Rolex, and I'm still waiting for the guy to send me the paperwork in the box right now. I still don't have any of that. But here's, here's the deal. I get, I get the watch, and I'm showing it to the group, and I'm having fun. And I, I, I know it's, it's, a, it's a fraudulent watch. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just having fun with it. We go to the men's advance, 
and I felt like the Lord uh, had given me an illustration to talk to men about, and that he, one, one of the powers of the Word of God is that it separates what's false from what's true. And the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, aren't my words like a fire and a hammer that breaks the rock or breaks the thing that bonds us and and binds us to pieces? And I took the Rolex and I beat it with this hammer just to show that the power of God breaks the false things in our lives. Let me give you another example of, of the reality of what people are believing today. If I were to take that watch busted in in several hundred pieces, put it in a bag and shake it, the odds of it coming back together as a fixed, perfect watch are less than the odds that the Big Bang happened the way that science says it happened. So why make the statement? Only because many people sit in this room who love God with all of their heart They're biblically illiterate. They read the book of Genesis and they doubt the very power and understanding of God to do what he said he did, but in substitute of that place, they will believe a theology, and yes, it is a theology, that has higher odds than the creator himself designing it and making it happen and sit here, love God, deny Genesis, and believe something that has higher odds you hear me? I will submit to you, man, that is wrong. And as much as the world may say you're foolish for believing in a creator, I would say to you, your odds of believing what you believe, to believe that it all just happened and that out of nothing, something can take place, is incredibly foolish. In your notes right here, I put down three thoughts with the idea of how to know that intelligent design is behind it. Using Genesis chapter 1, very first verse says that in the beginning God created. Would you agree with me? If God created, he is creative. Only creative people can create. If that's true, then number two, we are created in God's image according to Genesis 1.26. God created man and woman in his image. If God is creative and we're created in his image, then number three, here's the proof of God's existence. If God created us in his image like the Bible says, then we are creative like the one who stamped us. Okay, so think about it for a moment. He made all of creation, but with us, the Bible says he gave a special endowment in that we are creative. He created all of nature, but he didn't make all of nature creative. He only made us in his image. So where are you going with this? It's the proof, think about it, that we actually have a God. He himself said, I made you, I'm creative, therefore you're creative because you're made in my image. If it's not true, then every animal out there would be creative just like we are. And yes or no, birds may be able to create a house, but it never changes through the eons. It always stays the same. I've got a little dog at home. He's a bad little dog. My family loves that dog. He, he has an ability to chew things like few creatures in humanity ever have. He got a hold of my retainer yesterday and chewed it to smithereens. He's not a creative dog. He's just a pre-programmed instrument who does what he does. I'm trying to state to you, the Bible says that God is creative, we're stamped in His image, therefore, if it's true and a creator exists, then you would find His mark inside of you if He says you're stamped like Him. Yes or no, you're creative. 
If you don't believe that, look at automobile manufacturers. Yes or no, it changes with the years. Clothing changes, styles, houses. Everything that we touch bespeaks the fact that we are creative, which then points to the fact nothing else in creation is like us, and God himself said, here's the proof. You can see the invisible attributes of God if you just look. People are unwilling to look. The very fact that you can create dinner. Some of you are like, that may be the proof that God doesn't exist. But (laughs) creation, being creative. (laughs) Thank you for laughing. Some are like, I don't get it. It sets us apart from all other creation. Let me, let me speak to this very, very quickly. The book of Genesis, especially chapter 1, begins to deal with the very issue of knowledge and faith. I put down maybe one of the biggest questions, not only asked today, but being really provoked in the minds of your children at school. Can science and the Bible coexist with each other? Let me answer honestly, yes and no. Yes, in the field's where it's taken with an open mind and allowed its, its, itself a chance to prove itself. For instance, archaeology. Whenever I go to Israel, one of the things I love about it is we come across sites that, that are incredibly, um, uh, they're profound in the fact that every time I go, they've discovered more things. And so we'll come across certain sites that the Bible talked about 3,000, uh, 3,500 years ago. Many people, uh, biblical archaeology is one of the things I love because every time the Bible is given a chance to prove itself accurate, it does so. As long as it's approached with the idea, let's weigh it out and look at it. If you approach it with the idea, let me disprove it. How many of you recognize whatever you're trying to disprove, you'll find a reason. If you're trying to be open-minded about it, you'll find a reason. But allowing the facts to weigh themselves are there, and the Bible can prove itself out. One of the ways, just like I told you, in the creativity, if God said, I stamped you this way, then the proof should be there. But then, on the other side of it, when I say no, it is possible. Folks, how about this? It, it, I cannot explain how God did everything that he said he did. And whenever we approach the Bible, let me try to understand everything. Can I say to you, we do run into a problem in that if God is infinite and you are finite, at some level, the finite can only grasp so much of the infinite. Yes or no? There is an issue there. There is an issue that does come. I have to take certain things by faith. But if you stand here as a scientist, I argue with you what you believe at a certain level you have taken by faith too because you weren't there and you can't prove everything. When we go to Israel, and forgive me for kind of staying on the subject, but I just got back and I'm excited. One of the things that they do whenever you go to a particular site All my pastors could bear this to be true. Whenever you go to a particular site, what they will say is approximately in this area, this took place. The reason they can't say absolutely this took place, why? Because we weren't there. How many of you were here from the Big Bang? All there is at a certain level 
is the trying to understand, looking at the clues. And if you're of a certain persuasion, you've picked what you've decided. But I assure you, at a certain level, faith is used in every area of life. Whether you believe or you don't believe, you use faith. That make any sense? Let me, let me go this way with it and see if, if this makes any sense. Hebrews 11.3, Paul writes these words, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. Let me tell you what I like about this scripture right here. More than, than 1900 years ago, before electron microscopes, before atomic smashers, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes things that are visible were created by things that are invisible. Yes or no, you cannot see on the atomic level without the help of certain equipment. To make the statement means there had to be an understanding beyond the human limit of a person who lived 1,900 years ago. He's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is telling him the things which you see are made up of things that are invisible. You ever thought about that? I love that. How about this, though? Knowledge without humility corrupts a person. Let, let me read this to you. Romans chapter 1, 20 and 21. Again, Paul writes, Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because all they, they, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, look at this sentence, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Let me say this to you. Knowledge in and of itself causes a person to aspire to an arrogant position. If you don't have humility and knowledge together, you become arrogant. Paul writes, knowledge puffs up, love builds up. Knowledge in and of itself causes a person to elevate their own thinking above God. Well, that doesn't happen, really. All around us. But let me, let me go this way and give you maybe the area that I would camp at tonight. Let me talk to you about the importance of believing the book of Genesis. Okay, this is, um, this is, for the most part, not a debatable issue. There are a few people who would disagree with this, but they're very minor voices. All of um, modern uh, theology attributes the first five books of the Bible to Moses. The first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And most people believe that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Here's what's interesting. We have people today who, who, who would tell you, I love God. I want to go to heaven. I believe that Jesus existed. But when it comes down to them believing Genesis... Where we are today is many people want to take Genesis and throw it out of the city. They don't understand it. They can't explain it. So it's easier to say, I don't believe it, or let's rationalize it away, but I do believe in Jesus. Here, what would Jesus say about that? So I found something. This, this, I, I, 
at this. John chapter 5, 46 and 47, Jesus' words. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you ever believe my words? Look at me and listen. If you can't believe Genesis, how can you believe a man walked on water? If you can't believe that God is all-powerful, how did he ever raise the dead back to life? If you can't believe that God can speak into existence and that there is intelligent design behind it, how can you believe in intelligent design for a Savior to come and die on a cross for you? Do you hear me? At what level do you begin to separate those issues? And here Jesus is saying, if you don't believe Moses... You won't believe me. And I recognize we live in a day that is so confrontational to the book of Genesis. And I would challenge you, why don't you become biblically literate instead of CNN smart? Hmm. Let me give you three cool Genesis facts. Just fun facts that I found that I think you might enjoy. Okay, the Bible says that when you go through the days of creation, that the evening and the morning were the first day. What's the first day of the week in America? Monday. The first day of the week in the Jewish calendar, does anybody know? Sunday. Sunday is the first day. The Sabbath is Saturday. It's Friday night to Saturday night. That's the Sabbath. Sunday becomes the first day. We adopted a different calendar. We do not have the actual Jewish calendar. In the book of Genesis, the very first day was Sunday. Sunday began with an evening and a morning, the first day. Monday was the second day, an evening and a morning. Okay, here's what God did on every day of his creation. I just found this to be an interesting fact. On every day of his creation, it says the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second day. The evening and the morning were the third day. And this is what God did with each day. God looked at what he created, and he said it's good, and he blessed it. On Tuesday, it's the only day you'll find this on, the third day. On the third day is the double blessed day. If you go back and read the book of Genesis, on every day, God goes the evening and the morning were the first day, and God looked at his work, and he blessed it. On Tuesday, he looked at his work twice, and he blessed it twice. In Israel, if you ever go to the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, how many of you ever seen it on the television or in the newspaper. If you ever go down there, one of the most special places you can get married, one of the most special places you can have your bar mitzvah would be to go to the Western Wall. The preferred day to go to the Western Wall to do those things is Tuesday because the third day is the double blessed day. Here's what I like to do. I have my staff meetings on Tuesday. Well, my staff thinks we just do it because I'm off on Monday. I do it on Tuesday because I tend to believe it's a double blessed day. I look for God's creative power on that day when I go to work for him. Some of you are like, well, what difference does it make? Well, how blessed are you? And if you're like, I just wish God would bless me, try Tuesday. (laughs) See what happens. Pray on Tuesday. (laughs) How about this? The first six days have beginnings and ends. The seventh day has no beginning and no end to it. 
according to the book of Genesis, and I bet you read it a thousand times and never saw it. So what does it mean? Here's what it means. Um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Those days all begin with the evening and the morning, or the first day, the evening and morning, or the second day, the evening, all the way to the sixth day. Seventh day, what did God do on the seventh day? He looked at his work, he blessed it, and he rested from his work. But it never says the evening and the morning were the seventh day. It speaks of this truth, that God's ability to measure time is different than our ability to measure time. And even though the seventh day is a day, when God speaks of time, it's not just 24 hours. It can be a distance or an era or a time of God just saying, this is the season that you're living in. The seventh day is the day of his blessing. Here's God's intention. He did all of the work the first six days. He intended for you and I to live in the eternal blessing of what he did. And we messed it up by going our own way. And God's ultimate issue is to reconcile us back to this place. He wants us to live in his blessing of the seventh day. How many of you live in the relationship of just it is good to be in the presence of God? Do you know that's what God's idea for you is in creation? That God wants to bring you to the place where you rest. God wants to bring you to the place where you enjoy. God wants to bring you to the place where you have life. And I would just submit to you, most believers are not resting. Most believers are not enjoying. And most believers are not experiencing the life of God. Most believers are in day one through six working hard. God wants to bring you to the place where you rest. And where you enjoy. And where you're connected to who he is. And let me give you the last one here. And I just found this to be interesting too. Man and woman are created in the image of God. Now, we had a real big debate with the staff. We, we got into the whole thing of, of woman being taken from the side of man. And is woman created uh, differently than man is created? Well, how many of you were married? Agree with me, yes or no? There's differences. Well, you scared people. Scared. Scared to say it. There are extreme differences. Um, so this, this came up. Uh, man and woman created in what? The Bible says clearly man and woman are created in the image of God. Um, but there are differences. So how do we piece that together? In a marriage deal one time, I taught this. Uh, God is whole in and of himself. God does not need anything outside to come in to make him complete or to make him whole. But here's how God did creation. He creates the man in his image, which means attributes. He creates the woman in his image, which means attributes. Attributes is not hair, eyes, mouth, teeth, fingers, arms, legs. You, cannot, you can't define God that way. Attributes is, is giftings and abilities. So when God created the man, he gave the man certain giftings and abilities. When he created the woman, he created the woman with certain giftings and abilities. Here's the deal. When a man and a woman come together in that unity, they bring two halves together to make a whole as one. When Paul goes to describe the relationship between the husband and wife, he describes the relationship between man and God. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands 
like you do to the Lord. He's describing this unity, that God is whole by himself. A man and a woman are probably the best picture when the marriage is right for what God intended the whole thing to look like. Does that make any sense? Is that a foreign concept to folks? You know, that statement right there means a lot of things. Like what? Like God's design is a man and a woman. See, I knew. It's biblical illiteracy that allows the church to come to the conclusions that it's at today. And I will say here, if I cannot preach the Bible, then I cannot be the pastor of this church. And I will get disagreement over the issue, but I challenge you, go back and read your Bible. Don't argue with me culture. Don't argue with me preference. Tell me what the Bible says about it. Make your stand. (laughs) Last time I even breathed it. I breathed it. I lost three couples from this church. We live in that day to day. I'm going to say it to you one more time. Want to overcome evil with good? Be biblically literate. And then apply what you know to why you're doing it. Know why and know what. Read your Bible. Gosh, that, that would be like the dumbest statement of all time to say in a church. But I would say to you today, it may be the most profound thing you can say, because not only we elevated Oprah to the Bible's... (laughs) My staff says, how are you going to end the message? I said, I don't know. Because I'm not sure everybody's going to feel when I get to that part. My hope was these three things. If we're created in His image, then it should stir up creativity inside of us. If we don't believe, then we should come to the point of asking God to produce in us belief because I would submit to you, how can you believe in what Jesus said if Jesus Himself said, if you don't believe Moses, you can't believe me? What will you do with that statement ultimately? And last but not least, then I would say to you, there must be, in the day we live in, a decision by the people of God who will say, I will embrace what God said as the ultimate rule for my life, and I will not allow the push of this world to be the directive of the way that I'm going to live. And I, listen to me, the, the way I know it's a spirit I stand up here in front of this church and say it and can feel the spirit in confrontation as I say it. And then have to choose, what will you do? And if the pastor's unwilling to say it, woe be to the people. Woe be to the people. Hmm. How do I want to end this? I would end it by simply saying, what's the Holy Spirit telling you? What's the Holy Spirit ask you to do with the message? At 
any of our campuses. What, what do you hear the Holy Spirit say at Highlands Ranch? What do you hear him say at Castle Rock? What do you hear him say if you're listening in your car right now? If it flies in the face of everything else that you're hearing around you, let's let the argument be settled by what the Bible says. come back to a place of saying this is going to be the rule whereby we'll say yes to it. Who's willing to be brave? Hear me on the issue. It's not bravado I'm asking for right now. As rhetorical as I ask you. But there's a certain level of bravery. If you're raising your children right now, how brave are you? Man, it's quiet. Sometimes I get myself into places I didn't know I was going before I started. Where are you at in the issue? If you're a believer, God requires you to take a position. He does. And the position, you need to take a biblical position. You need to take a biblical position. You cannot stand one foot in the world and one foot in heaven and go, it's okay to live this way. It's not. You've got to make a decision. So, Lord, I don't know how else to end it except to put it there and to put it out there. And while I recognize, Father God, that it flies in the face of the day and the age and the spirit in particular that we live in, Here's what I believe. I believe that you would not have us, you would not have us shrink back. You would not have us, you don't light a light to cover it. You light a light and you put it on a hill so that everybody can see it. And Father, we live in a day and a time, and in particular, we live in an age where, where there's a very compromised understanding of Scripture and how it works. Lord, I'm asking right now you would speak clearly. Sound a trumpet clearly so that people hear and come to the ark of safety. God, I'm asking right now that instead of some type of a hodgepodge belief system, Pick a little bit of this and pick a little bit of that and take a little bit of this and then mix it all together to form what I believe. God, we're asking to have a biblically-based belief system. Open our eyes. Open our eyes. God, I pray for people in this room right now in a couple of different places. One, in a decision place. Lord, they stand just like I said, a foot here and a foot there. God, you're challenging them right now. Church, prophetically, I want to say something to you. I want you to listen. Keep your eyes closed, keep your head bowed, but listen to me right now. If you're standing in both places, a foot in this world and a foot in heaven, and thinking that it's going to be okay, we are quickly approaching a breaking point in this world you're going to be swept away by one of those rivers. 
you need to remember that I said this right now. You need to come to a place where you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's been an easy place for the most part to claim Christianity, but to have a hodgepodge of beliefs. All paths lead to God, whatever feels good, if it doesn't harm anybody. I'm going to tell you right now, that is not what the scriptures say. Jesus said, narrow is the road. The gate in is small. He said, broad is the highway to hell. Messages that appeal to this idea. Whatever happens, happens. It all works out in the end. Is wrong. Jesus had a certain way about him where he loved everyone, but he never compromised the truth one bit. I challenge you. What's going on in your life and what's going on in your heart? And is your beliefs lining up with your life? Have you found yourself in a very subtle environment of just discarding what the Bible says, the miraculous things, the power of God, His ability to do all things, and in place you've adopted sort of a spirit of this world where, hey man, I want to go to heaven and I believe that there was a Jesus, but I'm not sure I believe everything that's in the Bible. Again, Jesus' words. If you don't believe Moses, how could you believe me? It was as true 2,000 years ago as it is right now. I think we know what someone's saying by the truth they're willing to speak. I'm not talking right now to make myself popular. And I'm not talking right now to build a big church. And I'm not talking right now to tickle ears. I'm speaking very straightforward truth. Where are you at on the issue? feel no direction from the Holy Spirit to have you respond to it by raising your hand.
or by signing a card or by doing anything for me. But I do feel very much like I'm supposed to tell you, answer the question in your own heart. Where do you stand? What's your position? It might be an interesting question for you to ask your children. Father, take truth. You said the truth makes us free. Lord, those that find themselves in a position right now, it's confronted with the fact that maybe what they're holding on to and clinging on to, it's not what you want them to hold on to and believe in. God, help them right now. Lord, those that find themselves in a position where the message is just like, yeah, that's it. Let's go. God, cause us to make sure we're not just running in flesh, but to make sure we are operating in love. That love balances out the truth that we have. Lord, I feel an intensity about what I'm saying, yet I don't want to run off and just be a strong man of the flesh. God, it's got to be of your spirit. Lord, convict us and teach us and show us and help us right now. Pray, make it clear. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mm. Listen.